Paxton Quigley is rolling out the green carpet, talking to the creme de la creme of innovators and influencers who are shaping the world of cannabis and culture. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Hello to all of you cannabis aficionados, and welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Folks, first I'd like to thank our listeners for purchasing my novel. It's called Just Try Me. It's available on Amazon. And my book is about three cannabis-consuming women who get involved in all manner of international intrigue. And I got to tell you that Just Try Me has been called that it's attractive to people who appreciate spicy intrigue. And one reviewer, a male, said, if the action doesn't grab you, the sex will. Folks, as we all know about... What's happening this Tuesday is November 3rd, and it is election day. And for most of us, I got to admit, it's do or die day as we decide who will be our next president. And so I do encourage everyone to vote if you haven't already. Now, while most people are talking about the presidential elections, there's some people who may not know that four states have adult use cannabis legalization initiatives on their ballots. And those states include Arizona, Montana, New Jersey, and South Dakota. Additionally, Mississippi will vote on a bill to legalize medical cannabis, which if it passes, will make Mississippi the 34th state to do so. In case you missed it, Democratic candidate and former Vice President Joe Biden and his running mate, Kamala Harris, will have said, have said, excuse me, they will decriminalize marijuana. And they actually say they will expunge the records of prior cannabis offenders. Now, we're going to talk more about the ballot measures. And for those people who are in those states that we mentioned, I do hope that you will vote yes. So please listen, because we have a really important person on who can who can lay everything out for us. And her name is Michelle Ruder Freiberg of the National Cannabis Industry Association. And she happens to be the deputy director for government relations. Michelle. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Thank you so much for having me, Paxton. I have to say, after hearing about your book, I know what I'm downloading on my Kindle after this. So I'm excited to take a read on that. (laughs) Well, thank you. I have to actually tell you that my former husband got got the book. He bought the book and he said, I got to tell you, I like it, which really (laughs) shocked me because usually he doesn't like anything I do. Well, thank you. Well, let's 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 go back to cannabis, uh, and let's begin with Arizona. Uh, since adult use marijuana was narrowly defeated four years ago, right now, Arizona is important, and I imagine that advocates are very psyched and eager to pass it this year. Uh, Arizona could sure use the the revenue that legal cannabis would bring in, right? And, and, and what are their chances this time around of the Arizonians finally deciding to pass something good? 
I think the chances are good. You know, like you mentioned, Arizona had adult use cannabis on the ballot back in 2016. And as you alluded to, it was very narrowly defeated. I think it was only 60 or 70,000 votes that uh, determined that. And so the uh, people on the ground in Arizona who have been working on the campaign, I think, have really taken a look at what happened in 2016 um, and and use that, obviously, as lessons learned to prepare for this time around to, to have a, a positive outcome. Um, so, you know, Arizona has one of the largest medical cannabis programs in the country. But, you know, like you said earlier, Paxton, Arizona is such a big state this election for more than just cannabis reform, right? I mean, one of the uh, races that we are watching the most closely uh, is being fought there between uh, Senator Martha McSally and former astronaut Mark Kelly. And this is just so interesting because that the outcome of that Senate race will also shape what's happening here in D.C. and in Congress. And I think that that's uh, a theme that we see underlying here over and over this election is about what's going on in the states. Even if you don't have a ballot initiative in your state, whoever you're voting for at the congressional level, um, if you have a senator up for election, and even at your state and local levels, it really makes a huge impact on how we're shaping cannabis policy. Tell me, uh, are the candidates of pro for this this measure or are they against it what's what's their uh, their opinion on that Sure. They've both been asked about it a few times during the campaign. Um, I believe just a couple weeks ago they did a debate and Mark Kelly was asked about it and he said that he planned to vote yes on the initiative um, that he believes like you that uh, the war on drugs has failed he's interested in expunging. Um, some of these these records. So Mark Kelly has said he's in favor. Now, Senator McSally, on the other hand, not so much. She's kind of declined to answer any questions about this. She's really kind of said, we're going to leave it up to the Arizona voters, which, you know, is sort of a uh, easy thing to say. I will note that in her time in the Senate, she has not put her name on any cannabis legislation that includes something like the Safe Banking Act, right, which we kind of frame as more of a uh, banking bill than a marijuana bill, right? So she she has not um, been active on this issue. So I think it's kind of clear there uh, which candidate would be the be a better fit for cannabis reform. Now, what are the people doing on the ground in terms of uh, uh, helping the the situation there in terms of passage of this of this bill, uh, or I should say this measure? Uh, are, are you out there canvassing? I know it's difficult because of the COVID. Uh, are there ads going up there? Uh, what, are, what, what are people doing there to, to make sure that this can be passed this time? Sure. So uh, I work for the National Cannabis Industry Association, and we focus on policy at the federal level. So our friends over at the Marijuana Policy Project have been the ones working really closely with the people on the ground there. But that being said, you know, you already kind of hit the nail right on the head. I, I've spoken with some of the people who are running the campaign there. And, and you know, just like we're all having to deal with in the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, things look a little different this time around. But, you know, they're doing their best that, that, that they can to educate voters. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to note, I think the Arizona voters, um, for the most part, are, are somewhat well educated on this issue. Um, you know, when we talked about 2016, one of the big reasons, I believe, at least that that initiative failed was because at the last second, uh, there was a very, very large campaign donation made uh, opposing it from a maker of fentanyl, actually. Um, so now that we hopefully don't have that this time around, uh, I think the chances are good, but they're definitely working really, really hard in Arizona. Good. Well, all of you people who live in Arizona, I hope you are going to vote. <laughs> That's number one. So 
let now let's move on to New Jersey. Uh, many have projected uh, that if New Jersey legalizes adult marijuana, it's going to set off a, a domino effect that would push New York and Connecticut and Pennsylvania to follow suit. What, what do you think about that? I think that you're absolutely correct. And, you know, we've seen that already. I believe it was last year the governors of those states got together and had a symposium where they talked about a regional approach to cannabis reform. And, you know, New Jersey is so interesting. I'm here in D.C. on the East Coast. Um, for your listeners who are there, you know, we know that New Jersey, I mean, like you said, it's right next to Philadelphia. You're right next to New York. I actually learned something really interesting um, that New Jersey doesn't really have any media markets of its own. They rely pretty much entirely on Philadelphia and New York City. And so, again, I think that you're going to see um, some of that that spread just sort of naturally happen. And I think that, you know, again, the tri-state area, they have to think about it in a regional way or else they are going to have issues with diversion, right? We don't, we don't want people driving from, you know, the middle of Pennsylvania across the state, buying adult use cannabis in New Jersey, and then, you know, frankly, illegally transporting it back over the state line into Pennsylvania. Um, and so I think the governors of those states recognize that because of their close proximity, they do need to take a regional approach at this. And so, you know, New Jersey is polling really, really well. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say it's a foregone conclusion. Like you said, people need to get out and vote. Um, they need to make their voices heard. But I think the New Jersey initiative is in a really, really good place to pass. Oh, well, that's that, that's good news. That's very good news. Now, what about South Dakota and M Montana? I know they have recreational cannabis initiatives on their ballots. Can you tell our listeners what's happening in those two states? Absolutely. So I'll start with South Dakota because I think it's really interesting because South Dakota is making history. They are the both adult use cannabis and medical cannabis on the ballot at the same time. So citizens in South Dakota will actually be able to choose if they want to legalize medical cannabis or adult use cannabis or both. Um, and so I think it's really interesting for that reason. You know, South Dakota has some of the harshest marijuana laws in the country. And so, you know, I don't think it can be overstated the importance of reform there. Um, we know that that means that there are thousands of lives that have been destroyed by the war on drugs. And so um, would be really, really monumental for South Dakota. And also just thinking, again, going back to a, a regional perspective, you know, think of where South Dakota is on the map, you know, right in the Midwest. I mean, if they legalized adult use cannabis, it would be a complete game changer. I'll say that much. Um, I think that might be a little ambitious if I'm in the, if I'm going to make a prediction, I think that they're probably more uh, poised to legalize uh, medical cannabis. And I say that just because we've sort of seen that with their neighbors to the north in North Dakota, right? I think it was in 2016, North Dakota decided to legalize medical cannabis and then I believe in 18 tried to do uh, adult use, but the state just wasn't ready for that yet. And so definitely keeping a close eye on South Dakota. You know, it's, it's interesting that there's definitely been some pushback from the governor there. She's urged a no vote. So I think that one's definitely going to be a closer one. I'll be watching that on election night myself. And then what I, about, uh, what about their, what, uh, what about their uh, uh, Senator there and the con congressional people in the state? Uh, anybody giving a, a push for, for these uh, measures? 
You know, I haven't read about any of the senators from the state speaking out on this, but, you know, I, I think that this gets to a theme that I see very much in my line of work here in D.C., um, which is just that, you know, senators and members of Congress don't need to be active on this issue, really, until it's affecting their citizens and their state. And then they get more active. We've seen that over and over and over again. You know, when a state takes a step to legalize medical cannabis, it's very often that then we can go and talk to the congressional delegation and say, look, this is now affecting your state. This is affecting your citizens. You're going to have a banking issue. These people are liable to 280E. Um, and then we see them start to understand it a little bit more. Um, and then getting to your second question about Montana, um, they also have two initiatives on the ballot, but a little bit different than, than South Dakota. So they have two initiatives. The first one is I-190, which would legalize adult use cannabis. Um, it also stipulates that anyone in prison for cannabis-related offenses that would be decriminalized by the measures can request resentencing or expungement. So I think that's really important to highlight. So there's the first initiative, like I mentioned, in Montana that would just legalize adult use cannabis. And then there's a second initiative that establishes that the law would only apply to adults 21 plus. So in Montana, you can only sort of tackle one issue per, per ballot initiative. And so they had to put a second one on there to clarify uh, the, the purchasing age. And again, I think Montana is going to be a really close one. I think they're an interesting state. They're a purple state. They're a very purple state. This go around, especially again, like we talked about with Arizona, a very important Senate race is happening in Montana. Again, that's being watched nationally. We have former governor Steve Bullock there in Montana running as a Democrat against the incumbent, uh, Senator there, Steve Daines, battle of the seeds, if you will. Um, and, and they, uh, Steve Daines, you know, over the years has been, um, okay on this issue. He did sponsor a veterans medical cannabis amendment a number of years ago. He's been supportive of hemp. Um, but Senator Daines hasn't gone so far to sign on to things like the Safe Banking Act, you know, uh, and then we have former Governor Bullock running against him. And he's been okay on this issue, too. He wants to leave it up to the states. And so, um, again, this race, though, is going to have national implications for uh, the Senate. You know, we're all watching what's going to happen in the Senate. Is it going to be um, remain under GOP control? Are Democrats going to take control of it? Those races in Arizona and Montana are key if we want to flip the Senate. And I only say that not to be partisan, but because we do just have to, you know, recognize the fact that um, Democrats have been much more active on this issue than Republicans here in D.C. Interesting. Folks, we need to take a short break, but come right back to hear more of what Michelle Freiberg of the National Cannabis Industry Association has to say about this year's important elections coming up as we speak. More High Society with Paxton Quigley coming up after we hear from our privileged sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the Green Peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, 
a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The Green Peak with Richard Zwicky. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Paxton Quigley is back talking to the connoisseurs of cannabis and culture on High Society, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to High Society with Paxton Quigley and Michelle Freiberg of the National Cannabis Industry Association. Now let's get to Mississippi, uh, which could be, as I said, the 34th state to legalize med- medical cannabis. Uh, what's what's happening there? And and yeah. I I assume I assume that it also will have a regional effect down in the south. If if it's passed there, I think it'll be easier then maybe to have more uh, so-called good legislation coming forth in the other southern states. Can you can you uh, uh, tell us what you think about that? I for, to take the second part of your question first. I think you are so spot on about the region. You know, Mississippi is the deep south. You know, there is there is no denying that this is one of the most conservative states in the country. And so, you know, in the deep South, the only other medical cannabis state we have right now is Louisiana. And so I absolutely think that if Mississippi chooses to legalize medical cannabis, that it will have a regional effect as well. I think it also just shows, you know, medical marijuana really isn't that controversial of an issue anymore. Um, (laughs) I guess I shouldn't necessarily say that, but, you know, national polls put marijuana, uh, medical marijuana, excuse me, at well over 90%. I believe there was a recent poll in Mississippi that said 81% of residents support medical marijuana. And so, um, you know, I think that this is an issue that the legislators in that state should, you know, we'll be watching the ballot initiative to, to see for sure. But, you know, hopefully we'll feel more comfortable, like you said, becoming more active on this issue. Um, but Mississippi is, is another odd one this year. We have a few, uh, you know, two initiatives on many of these, uh, in many of these states, and Mississippi is the same way. There's two initiatives on the ballot. There's Initiative 65, which is a citizen-backed initiative, and then there's Initiative 65 and percent. This is, it's a very low tax rate for medical cannabis, only about 7% low tax rate for medical cannabis, only about 7%. It wouldn't cap the number of licenses in the state. So it would uh, be good for business. Whereas uh, Initiative 65A, sort of the opposite. They want to cap the number of licenses and they actually only want to uh, give smokable cannabis to terminally ill patients. So much more restrictive than the other initiative, which would allow um, physicians to prescribe medical or uh, prescribe medical cannabis for I think around 20 qualifying conditions. And then the real kicker in Mississippi is not only do you have to uh, know that there are two ballot initiatives uh, that are different about medical marijuana on the ballot, but 
they also have to vote on their ballot whether they intend to even vote yes on either of them. So it's sort of confusing. There's a first question that says, vote for approval of either or both, or against both. So you have to fill in the bubble to say, I'm gonna vote yes on one of these initiatives. And then you have to go below that and pick which one of the two you're actually voting for. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a complicated process in Mississippi. I'm a government relations professional and I find this to be um, very confusing, frankly. So I, um, I am a little bit more concerned for the voters there because again, this is just more nuanced. You have to really read your ballot and understand it. And so if anyone's listening in Mississippi, you know, make sure you go online and take a look at what is on your ballot. Um, a resource I really like is votesaveamerica.com. They've been great. You can see if you're registered, where your polling places, what's actually going to be on your ballot. So definitely for, for anybody in Mississippi, make sure you do your research and understand the differences between those two initiatives because they're quite different. Well, that's a that, that's a lot that's happening in Mississippi and rather complicated. I'm I'm actually sorry to hear that uh, because yeah. I could I could see that a lot of people will will be confused about those those preliminary questions that they have to answer. Unfortunately, now I want to get to a more general question. Uh, if you had a uh, uh, looked into a, one of those, you know, shall we say balls where people try and find out crystal what's going to be happening, yes. a crystal <laughs> ball. Uh, what do you, what do you foresee for the future? Uh, what is out there uh, for marijuana? Will there, will there be federal legislation and a, and a total scrapping of the Controlled Substance Act? And uh, are, are Biden and Harris, if, if they become president and vice president, uh, will they be leaders in, in, in this situation? Or is it still going to be, you know, down to the state level at, at all costs? I know it's a big question I've asked you about what do you think is going to be happening in the future? And I'm, I'm talking about not just next year as the future, but let's say five years from now. Sure. Well, you know, I do think that this election, and I've been saying this, um, is going to have repercussions for years, four or five years down the line. So it is still really important. Everybody gets out and votes. You know, it's, it's really going to be up to what happens in the Senate this go around. I think that it's uh, pretty much well accepted at this point. And again, after 2016, a lot of us don't like to make these sorts of predictions. Um, but, you know, the, the House is looking pretty solid that the Democrats are going to maintain control. That's great for marijuana. Um, both in the short and the long term, we've seen them bring up state banking and pass that out of the House. And we're also anticipating a vote on the MORE Act here um, in the weeks after the election. Um, for anybody who's not aware, the MORE Act is a more comprehensive uh, bill. It's the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. Um, that bill would remove cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act entirely. Um, so. Uh, it would also facilitate resentencing, expungement. It creates um, some opportunity trust funds for individuals who have been negatively impacted by the war on drugs. So I say all of that because we're going to get a vote on that in the House um, before the end of the year. It's been committed to um, advocates and publicly by uh, Leader Hoyer. And so we know that that's sort of the lay of the land in the House. We feel very confident about that. But, you know, getting back to what's, 
what's going to happen over the next few years. Again, it's down to the Senate. And so people really need to get out and vote if you have a Senate race in your state, because we've seen this time and time again for the last at least two years. Um, the GOP, when they're in control of the Senate, is just really not willing to, to bring this issue up. You know, Senator Ma Leader McConnell is just not willing to, to bring marijuana legislation to the floor. And, you know, that is the way our government works. These committee chairs and um, uh People in leadership have the ability to determine uh, what they're going to vote on and what they won't. And so, you know, if you are a cannabis voter, if you want to see cannabis reform in this country, you know, you need to get out and, and frankly, encourage people to uh, vote for Democrats in the Senate. And I, again, NCIA is a, is a nonpartisan organization, but, you know, I've been with them for six years and I can tell you which party has been much more favorable to reform and bringing this issue up. And so um, I, I think that what's going to happen in the next five years is up to this Senate race. Getting to the presidential, you know, uh, Joe Biden's not, he's not a huge fan of cannabis. Like you said, he's, he's in favor of decriminalization. He's in favor of medical cannabis. They talked about um, expunging records and resentencing as well. So that's great. But, you know, the policy like this really comes from the legislature. You know, the executive, of course, has power. It matters who's president. They have to sign the bill, um, you know, if it gets to their desk. But really, you know, when we see cannabis reform, it's going to come from, from the, the legislative branch. And so uh, I, I think that, you know, if a bill, say, Thanking Act, the MORE Act gets to the desk of a President Biden, I think he would sign it. Um, I don't know if I could say that for President Trump. He's been a little bit more, um, he's just, you know, kind of been more quiet on the issue issue over the years. He said it should be up to the states, but, you know, his administration really hasn't done anything on this. So, and we also know that he put uh, a former Attorney General Jeff Sessions in, in at the DOJ and so, you know, putting a guy like that in at the top of the DOJ, who we know hates cannabis, I, um, you know, kind of doesn't add up there. So, again, I just think the Senate is, is really the game changer. And, and anybody who tells you they know what's going to happen in the Senate election next week is lying. Folks, we need to take a short break, but come right back to hear more of what Michelle Freiberg of the National Cannabis Industry Association has to say about this year's important elections coming up as we speak. More High Society with Paxton Quigley coming up after we hear from our privileged sponsors. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say Razzie Berry. We're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle. Get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. I mean, that's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah! 
Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The cutting edge of cannabis. Consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Paxton Quigley is back talking to the connoisseurs of cannabis and culture on High Society. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to High Society with Paxton Quigley and Michelle Freiberg of the National Cannabis Industry Association. Now, you know, I come originally, I I was born in Chicago, Illinois, and Illinois has really become a champion in terms of, uh, you know, cannabis. And it has made a lot of money. The state has made a lot of money. And we're, you know, we're always talking about how can a state make more money? And I'm surprised that more and more Republicans would think in that light and look at Illinois and say, my God, uh, they're making a handful of money and we're not. Shouldn't we be doing the same thing? Are they thinking at all like that? Well, I think some members of Congress do. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I think there's a really great argument to be made about generating revenue. And I especially think it's salient right now with the COVID-19 pandemic, right? States are looking anywhere they can for, for revenue and money to, to help small businesses, their healthcare workers, whatever it may be, their teachers, you know, go down the line. Um, but, you know, it, Oregon, I think, for instance, I believe that marijuana tax revenue in Oregon only accounts for about 0.3% of the budget. It's still millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, but it's only 0.3% of the state's budget. So I think some people see it as, you know, just a drop in the bucket, but I don't know what state's turning their nose up at hundreds of millions of dollars right now either. So I definitely think that the economic argument for this is, is gaining more and more traction. It's always been there. Um, but I, I do think we're hearing it talked about more and more, and especially in places, I know that you mentioned Republicans, but, you know, in places like New York, for instance, you know, Governor Cuomo there has said, you know, we're going to basically legalize marijuana because we, we need the money. Yes, yes. Well, he's he's one of the smarter people, I think. Now, you had <laughs> talked about uh, VoteToSaveAmerica.com. Can you tell people again why they should go to that site? Sure. Yeah. So the site is votesaveamerica.com. Um, this is put on this website. I think is run by a couple of former Obama staffers. But again, it is a nonpartisan site. You can go on there, check if you're registered, see where your polling place is, um, look at a sample ballot for what you're actually going to be voting on. So it's just a really, really wonderful resource and a one-stop shop. It's something that I've used myself. And so if people are unsure or, you know, are just looking for any additional information ahead of the election, um, check it out. I think, I think people will really enjoy it. And it's called folks vote to save America.com. Now I want to get to you and what you're doing. And so I'd like to learn just a little bit more about the National Cannabis Industry Association. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about that? 
Of course. NCIA is the oldest and largest trade association representing the legal cannabis industry. We have about 1,500 members nationwide. If anybody listening um, is, uh, has a business and is, or is interested in learning more about who we are, you can check NCIA's website out. We're at thecannabisindustry.org. Uh, but as the nation's oldest and largest trade association, you know, we are here representing uh, a lot of small businesses, medium-sized businesses, even some larger businesses. And my job is to represent them in the halls of Congress. I'm a lobbyist. Um, and so some of the issues that I talk with members of Congress about are uh, things like the Safe Banking Act, right, which would uh, create a safe harbor for financial institutions that choose to service the cannabis industry. Um, I'll tell everybody that I named the Safe Banking Act myself, very proud of it. Um, so we're very focused on the banking issue. We're also very focused on uh, Section 280E and how cannabis businesses cannot deduct, uh, you know, make standard deductions on their federal taxes, which is incredibly punitive and, and uh, has, you know, very bad uh, very negative effects on, on, on the business community. And then also on comprehensive reform. We want to legalize cannabis. We want to end the war on drugs. We want to create um, an equitable and inclusive industry. Um, so I'm proud to work with NCIA. I've been here for uh, six years now. So it's been amazing over that time to, to watch this issue grow and evolve. I remember when I first started, it was just a few weeks before the 2014 elections. And that was before Oregon and Alaska and DC even legalized marijuana. So we've come a really, really long way. Um, definitely a long way since everybody would chuckle and, and ask if I have any samples when I would go into their office. We're, we're received much differently now. And so I'm really proud to work for such an amazing organization. I hope anybody listening will uh, go to our website. Again, it's thecannabisindustry.org. Uh, check us out. We also have a podcast here on Cannabis Radio uh, hosted by my colleague, Bethany Moore, called The Cannabis Industry Voice. If people are eager for, for more content, they can check that out. Um, but yeah. Great. Well, uh, Michelle, I'd love to have you on again uh, after the the big vote coming up, and and get your uh, your, your uh, opinion on what happened or didn't or or didn't happen. Uh, and uh, and again, I want to thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with us today. Really important. Anytime, Paxton. Thank you so much for having me. Be happy to come back anytime and debrief about the election, what it all means, and what's next going to be a big year next year. Yes, thank you very much. And folks, please remember that my novel, Just Try Me, is available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. And to all of our listeners, you can visit us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram by going to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Please stay safe, wear a mask, and stay in touch. I'm Paxton Quickly. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.